you know, I built what I wanted to enjoy, really. And I really just throw caution at every time I hear about something that's typical in the industry, I try to go the other direction. You gotta pick yourself up, go backwards, and slam yourself at the wall like 500 more times until the wall crumbles. 25% of middle school girls already believe they'll never achieve their dream career. Dream career. Hi, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Hint. And you're Hint. listening to Unstoppable, a podcast spotlighting the journeys of inspiring entrepreneurs. I believe that at its core, leadership is about constantly learning from the people around you. And I'm so inspired by the conversations we're having in our upcoming episodes and can't wait to share them with you. This season, some of my guests include Rebecca Minkoff, fashion designer and founder of the Female Founder Collective, Diana Kaff, author of Girls Who Run the World, Andrew Dudham, founder of Hymns, and Eugene Rem, co-founder of Rumble Fitness, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable. We're so excited to have not only an amazing guest, but also a friend of mine, Janie Brooks. Hoik. Janie is very, very awesome, and we're really excited to have her here. She is the managing director of Brooks Winery, and she personally is one of the most energetic figures in the Oregon wine industry. She's always had a commitment to social responsibility and the environment, and as of January of last year, Brooks Winery became a certified B corporation. Yay! And the winery, if you are not familiar with this wine, it's amazing. The winery is adorable and and great. It's received many accolades, including top five wineries not to miss in Oregon from USA Today. And the Brooks story has captivated many through the documentary American Wine Story. If you haven't seen it, definitely look for that. And you will want to after hearing more from Janie and kind of the founding story behind Brooks Winery. But Janie, welcome. Super excited to have you here. Very honored to be here, Kara. Super excited. So take us back to the beginning and, you know, how did you become involved in the company? So the winery was founded in 1998 by my brother, Jimmy Brooks, and he had spent six years working harvest in Europe and moved back to Oregon and got a job in the wine industry. And after a couple of years working for a winery, he started his own brand, very limited on what he could do with it. And so he moved to another location to be the head winemaker um, at a winery called Mesara and really was able to develop his brand there. And he grew the winery to about 2,500 cases. And then he passed away unexpectedly on September 4th in 2004 at the age of 38. It was a huge shock to the industry up here. And I lived down in California and I got to his house the night that he passed away. And I was sat down by 12 winemakers who said, we figured out today who he was buying his fruit from and we, we need to talk to you about it. We really think what Jimmy was doing as a brand by his focus on farming and Riesling that it should continue. Um, we also wanna make sure these growers get paid and that these contracts get met in his absence. And the winery was the only thing Jimmy had that he talked about that he could leave to his son who was eight years old at the time that he passed away. 
So they basically approached me that night and offered to take his fruit and make his wine for free in 2004 to give the brand an opportunity to continue and asked me to run the business side of it. Wow. Amazing. And they were just doing Riesling at the time, right? Uh, there was some Pinot Noir. And Pinot Noir was the- yeah. Amazing. And so what did you think? I mean, when you obviously a lot to sort of take in and I'm sorry about your brother. And obviously I, I knew that piece of, of the story, but I mean, how did you think about, you didn't have experience in the wine industry. I mean, for you, this was a giant decision. You weren't living in Oregon. You're from Oregon, but you weren't living there. Like what was going through your head? Well, initially I knew I was going to have to do something with his life because he was divorced from his wife. Our parents had passed away four years prior. And so I was really his only, you know, viable living relative to deal with, you know, his house and his business. So I I really didn't have a choice when I offered to do this, but I didn't know that I was going to continue it. And You're right. I knew nothing about the wine industry, but I was so struck by the generosity and the kindness of these people because I had come out of competitive healthcare where nobody would have helped each other. And I, you know, all of a sudden I fell into this industry with these people who they had a vision. They had a vision for the brand and why they wanted it to continue. And as I got to know them, I really fell in love with them and the industry up here in Oregon and everybody that I talked to and met that was working with my brother. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Uh, We had moved to California and I had decided to stay home with my kids. So I had been at home for about four years and definitely knew that that was not probably the right place for me to be a stay-at-home mom. So this gave me an opportunity to get back into business. And I've just loved it. I've had so much support from so many people. Um, Our winemaker was my brother's assistant. So he came to me in the spring of 05 and he said, I want to come be the winemaker at Brooks. Would you be willing to, you know, keep this going for future vintages? And so he's still with me. So we've been working together for almost 16 years. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally 
first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Seniors, that's amazing. What developments have you done since then besides expanding the brand, you know, and yeah. the actual sales exponentially? Probably the most significant thing we did is we, we purchased the vineyard that my brother really wanted to purchase um, back in 2008, my husband and I did. And then we purchased a piece of property right next to the vineyard that in 2014, we built our own winery building. So that was kind of a final commitment <laughs> that we are going to be here for the long haul. So we built a 13,000 square foot winery that probably has the best view in the Willamette Valley. 
That's amazing. And then you've also branched into other types of wine since you've taken it on as well. Yeah, we make 60 different labels. Amazing. Primarily Pinot Noir and Riesling, but there are some other aromatic whites and we tend to dabble. We're doing a little Tempranillo and Syrah from the Willamette Valley, but primarily Pinot Noir and Riesling. That's amazing. What facet of the of the wine industry are you most passionate about? I'm a huge believer that brands grow when people are really, really passionate about an aspect about it, right? Or like, mm-hmm. are you trying to, you know, solve a problem around it? And I think that the brands that ultimately, and, and ultimately the companies that have a hard time growing are really the ones that, you know, they don't think about it in relation to sort of like this problem that you're trying to solve out there. And obviously with the wrestling, you know, he had really established the organic, you know, Oregon organic wrestling category, but what else did you see there that you really built on, but also what facet would you say you were most interested in along the way? I think like product development, one of the things that, you know, the wine industry in general, and it doesn't matter if you're in Oregon, California, or in Europe, is a very traditionally run business that is primarily focused as it should be on producing wine. And so the marketing side for me has been the most fun because honestly, there's not a lot of skilled marketing people in the wine industry, Mm -hmm. unless you're a really big brand. So to be a smaller brand and to find ways to differentiate ourselves and to do things that, that people don't do in the industry has been the most fun for me. I really like coming up with new products, new ideas, new programs that nobody else is doing and, and looked for a lot of input and advice and through people in other industries. Yeah. Outside of wine. I think that's so key. And I think also your, I mean, I know a little bit about your story too, where, you know, you really sort of owned the fact that you didn't know a lot about this industry that you were, you know, jumping in and taking this on. But I feel like that's something when I look at building Hint that, so many people thought I was done, right? From the moment I said, oh, I'm going to start a company, they were like, oh, that's really nice because you don't have the experience. But I'm a huge believer that experience or inexperience ultimately Mm -hmm. kind of allows you to actually be educated by other people and try new things that maybe others, you know, automatically think aren't going to work, but maybe they were just tried a different way last time. And so, and then also getting advice or, you know, kind of direction in some way from other industries too, is also something that is really kind of unique. I mean, one thing you and I talked a few weeks ago, and one thing that I was just so impressed with, and I've told so many people about this is that frankly, you know, when you said, oh, let's go do a Zoom call, I thought it was not going to be a good situation. And you were like, no, I just wanted to catch up. And, you know, I've got to go in a little bit because I've got some Zoom wine tastings going on. And I'm like, wait, what? Back up a minute. I mean, you just were, you know, I mean, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, right when COVID was going on, I mean, you didn't sit there and say, okay, all the restaurants are closed, the wineries closed, you know, we're sort of closing business instead. Like, what did you do? You know, I really was approached initially about doing virtual tastings. A lot of people in the industry, and I I do this often, I sit back and watch for a while and see Uh what works and what doesn't work. And there was a lot of really bad marketing 
from a winery standpoint, and I'm sure in every industry, you know, people talking at the people, you know, their Instagram live and not asking the customer what the customer wants. So my approach to it was I'm going to do virtual tastings, but I'm not going to send you a three pack and tell you what to buy. I'm going to have you tell me who do you want to have at the tasting? How many different wines do you want to try? What topics do you want to talk about and learn about? And people have really enjoyed them. And the format is completely different. So it's not a canned format. I have long conversations with each partner before we have the, the session and they've been super fun. I've done everything from dinner parties with a lot of icebreaker questions that have nothing to do with the wines and talk about the wines quickly to you know full PowerPoint presentations with people that don't know anything about wine. I love it. I love it. And you're basically, you send the wine to people's homes ahead of time and then they're tasting them, you know, in, in some of them, obviously you're, that's not the dinner party situation, but in some of them, they're just, it's as simple as getting a group of people together and yeah. you're explaining different aspects about the wine while they're trying it in their, their own home. That's, I mean, it's amazing. That's yeah. super, super fun. And you said you've been busy, right? Like a lot of people are doing this. It's not two people. I mean, it's a lot of people are doing these different tastings for clients or mm-hmm. group of friends. Clients, birthday parties. I did one a couple of weeks ago with a, a group of families that they take a wine trip together every year and they weren't going to get to do their wine trip. So they had a night with me instead yeah, so there's all sorts of all sorts of reasons. And it's so energizing for me because so much of my business usually is being on the road and meeting with my distributors and with wine buyers and sommeliers. And we're not doing any of that anymore. So my just interaction with people has really, really been, you know, everybody's obviously has been affected by COVID, but it's a great way for me to get to know new people. And we are doing it with teams, you know, team meetings just for morale for different people's teams and yes, clients. And some of it's just personal. That's amazing. One thing that I think about a lot in your story is, you know, obviously you're a family business. You were put into a situation where, you know, you took over from another family member unexpectedly, but I think there's probably some people listening where their parents started a company, right? And they're taking it over. Like, what did you learn about, this like what would you share with people was the most surprising piece of this in terms of you know maybe it wasn't as established right as as maybe you would have you know had a company established but let's just say from a brand standpoint what were kind of the key things that maybe you were changing or that you were respecting and holding I mean how did you think about like you know you ended the night with a group of his friends you know, sharing that they wanted to continue it and they wanted to, you know, make sure that people got paid and all of those aspects. But where do you go from there, I guess? Well, there's definitely kind of philosophies that Jimmy founded the company on that we've tried to maintain going forward. So he was a big believer in biodynamic farming. And so we've continued to do that. He created all of our packaging. So our logo is actually his tattoo. The tattoo he had on his left shoulder that symbolizes the circle of life, and that was very important to him. So we've kept his packaging. Accessibility to wine, he really wanted reasonable price points. I have held our price points to be very, so the wines are very accessible and approachable this whole entire time. And then the way he approaches winemaking itself. So we use 
a certain size fermenter and we don't have to get into the details, but you know, when he was making 2,500 cases, we would use these two ton fermenters to make all of our wine. Well, we make 20,000 cases now, but we still use two ton fermenters wow. to make our wine. So we've, we've really held his philosophies close to heart between his winemaker and I of different parts of the business. You know, my part of it then is how do you get your brand in front of as many people as possible? So that kind of comes back to why we make so many different wines and we make them in so many different styles. Our building and our winery for when people come here is all about the customer experience. It is not the typical tasting room bar. I did not want to do that because I personally don't want to enjoy, you know, I built what I wanted to enjoy, really. Sure. And I really just throw caution at every time I hear about something that's typical in the industry, I try to go the other direction. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's really just so amazing what you, what you've built. And did you ever like want to run your own company? Like when you, when we were, Janie and I went to college together and so I've known her for a long time. So did you ever think like, oh, I want to go run my own company one day? I mean, was that ever part of your? It never was part of it, but I did have an opportunity. I was the third employee at a startup company back in the mid nineties. And we grew that company to, by the time I left, we had 250 employees and it was a $50 million in revenue company. So I had, and I had done everything except the idea. (laughs) So I built the operations. I did the marketing. I did the finances. So I think I probably had a lot of transferable skills to come over to wine. The the challenge with wine is just the capital investment Mm -hmm. and, and the lead time before you actually have an ROI. And especially when you have growth. Absolutely. Do you feel like being outside of Napa, Sonoma, and maybe that's a funny question, especially with, you know, all the challenges they've had, unfortunately, with some of the fires, but do you feel like, I feel like there's these different areas of of the West Coast that are getting a lot more attention. Do you feel like that too, over the years, since you've taken this over, that Oregon's just become, you know, more of a, magnet for some of these better wines? Yeah. And on multiple levels, you know, we have 450 wineries in the Willamette Valley, so we're not sure producers, but we're also, you know, we're just tipping that next generation point. Mm -hmm. So we've been around long enough for a generation. So you are seeing a lot of changes in terms of ownership of vineyards, of wineries, but the fact that people want to make that investment shows that we've really proven ourselves. Mm -hmm. The first grapes were planted here in the late 60s, but we're also seeing a lot of investment because of places like Napa and Sonoma that are so expensive. Our land is much less expensive up here. You know, Jackson family owns a ton of land up here, ton of vineyards. So we've seen a lot of external investment. Same thing with the French. There's a lot of very strict rules in Burgundy about what you can grow and where you can grow it. We don't have those rules here and we make beautiful Pinot Noir like they do in Burgundy. So we've had a lot of Burgundian producers come and put a stake in the ground and build a winery and start a brand here too. That's awesome. That's really, really super, super cool. So Jimmy's son that he, you know, wanted to really build this company for Pascal, like where is he now? So Pascal graduated from UC Santa Cruz two years ago, about a year and a half ago, he and his girlfriend, who's from France, moved to Paris. Oh. So he is living in Paris. He, you know, post shut down, he's working in a wine bar as like assistant sommelier. 
He's also doing rooftop gardening, which he just absolutely loves. He worked in the garden all four years in college. So he's doing a lot of the urban rooftop farming in Paris, which he's excited about. And then he's going to go work harvest. He's worked to harvest here. He's worked to harvest where my brother worked last year. And then this year he's going to Alsace. That's amazing. And do you think he'll eventually come and jump in and take it over? I do. I do. I, I don't know when, and I don't, you know, it might be 10 years from now, but he, he does want to be on the production side, which is why he's getting so much harvest experience. And he participates in our leadership meetings. You know, we've had meetings on Zoom once a, once a, every couple of weeks for COVID and he's participated in those. So it's great. He's getting more and more involved in the business. I think it's really smart having him go and get outside experience too and and really wanting to come into the company and and you know continue his dad's legacy when he's ready. I mean that's yeah. that's awesome. And he's never had any pressure. Like he has known from day one that I was doing this in a lot of ways for me. Yeah. It's kept me connected to my home. You know, I was born and raised in Oregon. It's my family name. And like literally even today, Kara, I got an email from somebody that went to Southern Oregon with my brother and wanted to tell me how influential my brother was on his life. And so I continue to have that connection, which has been I think a very good coping mechanism for me, honestly, to get through all the loss that I've had. So it means a lot. And the fact that Pascal's even interested is amazing. I think about this a lot. Like when you were 20 years old, you never knew, right, that this was your path. And now, I mean, you've just done so much to not only sort of grow this business, but also, you know, grow a a next generation. I mean, in, Mm -hmm. in many ways, what do you think has been the toughest for you? Like, what have you been most afraid of in, in growing this business or, or things that you just didn't know? I, I feel like so much you've figured out. I mean, you've just had the tenacity and the curiosity. I mean, what else do you think of when, like, what's been really tough for you? Like I mentioned before, probably the cash flow side of the business. Mm-hmm. And how you really ever get that back, (laughs) you know, it's only scalable to a point and you only want it scalable to a point. So we, we actually made a decision a couple of years ago that we're going to cap production at about 20,000 cases. And we've done that for a couple of years and it really is allowing us to get into that next level. So you're not chasing growth, but you're like really zooming in on technique and quality and details to make what we already do that much better. That's so interesting. And then direct to consumer is so critical as well. So critical. Yeah, super, super critical. I think in almost every industry, if you did not put any eggs into a direct to consumer plan, that's probably one of the things that you should focus on now in terms of actually starting that channel. Would you agree? Totally. And then anybody in the wine industry right now that doesn't have a big direct-to-consumer support base is is really having a small, a hard time for small family wineries. We're we're about one-third wine club, one-third tasting room. So 60% of our revenue is very reliant on our direct sales. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, as I shared with you, hint, we already had a direct-to-consumer play started, but you know, almost tripled that business since since yeah. March. It's just been crazy. And again, like I think the rest of your channels don't get shut down, you know, 
sometimes things happen like COVID where things do get shut down, restaurants and, yes. you know, for us offices where we supplied lots of drinks into, you know, the offices and who knows when they'll fully open up and how big those office staffs will be. I mean, you're, you know, same situation, but, but a little different for restaurants. But I think that the, if you get this relationship going, which is what you've done, I mean, I'm so proud of you that you've, you know, also jumped in and, and really done what you've done in the industry too, just to really kickstart that direct-to-consumer business, but also during COVID have these Zoom conversations. And, you know, I think it's just, again, people will be like, oh, well, of course that's been going on and other people have been doing it. But I think that the idea that you've just, you didn't just stop and say, well, there's nothing I can do about this. And there's plenty of people out there that did in every single industry. I mean, in our industry, there were so many brands that just decided that they weren't going to be merchandising anymore in stores. And, you know, and they ended up losing shelf space in stores. I mean, we, you know, we're safe about it. We went in either before hours or late in the day when there were hardly people in there, but with our mask and gloves and everything else. But I think just, you just showed me and so many people that you look at sort of what can be done at any yeah. situation, even when, you know, things are really, really tough. So. Well, and you have, you have to like with our restaurant business, that's 40% of our business and yeah, it's gone. And I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. And certainly my travel and visiting markets is not coming back for another year. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. Yeah. Right. And what you can build. And so much of this is about relationships, right? We're sitting here together. Totally. <laughs> and, you know, find your people and support each other and lift each other up. And I can't bring the restaurants back. I'm doing what I can, you know, to support their legislation and sending wine to my friends who, you know, are out of jobs, but I can really focus on my direct to consumer side. Yeah. I think that's so smart. What, what was the best advice that you ever received? the best advice that I've ever received, probably just perseverance and to keep, to keep going and to keep asking, you know, there's a, there's like a business mantra that you have to ask the same question five times. And every time you answer it, you have to ask it again so that you really break down any situation and there's no giving up. There's no stopping. You can get to the end result. I love that. That's super great. So I always ask the question, what makes you unstoppable? And I think you partially answered it, but really the tenacity and the perseverance and, and also I just think like you just have so much creativity, right? Like that, and just trying to figure out like from here, where do we go in so many different situations that when I think of you, I'm always just super, super impressed whenever I talk to you, because it's always like, oh yeah, well, we're doing this. And I'm like, wait, what, what are you doing now? I mean, you're just, I I love it. I love all that creativity, but what makes you unstoppable? We're launching a new product this week. Oh, you're kidding. No, tell me. That's that's all in the COVID world. And we should actually do this together, Carrie. You should be one of our partners. Yeah. Tell me. We're, you know, we're kind of going on the sensory evaluation of wine or just, you know, what wine does to you from a scent standpoint. And we've partnered with different producers. So we have a coffee producer, a kombucha producer, a cider producer. We have two chefs to do food, cheese maker, just different things that are aromatherapy that are related to wine, but aren't wine. 
And every month people will subscribe. It's a hundred dollars a month, $99 a month. And you get two bottles of wine and then you get product from the partner. And then we execute a side-by-side tasting with the founder of the partner company, a master of wine and myself. So like our our first one's olive oil. There's no reason we couldn't do hemp water though. That would be really fun. Yeah, it'd be super fun. That sounds great. And how often are you doing this? Once a month and we have them scheduled out through June of 2021. That's amazing. Yeah, no, we should definitely talk about that. Sounds fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, where can people find you, Janie? Brookswine.com. Okay. And we just actually, fortunate, a year ago, I said, I really want to get a website that can do better e-commerce business. So we just launched a beautiful new website in February, which was ended up being great. It is really nice. Yeah, no, it's great. And then Jane, are you on social and some other? Yeah, so on Instagram and Twitter, we're at Brooks Winery. And then on Facebook, it's Brooks Wines. Awesome. And then to get a hold of Janie, if anybody wants to reach out. Janie at brookswine.com. Right on. Cell phone number is 831-4828. And I kid you not, I put that in my weekly email every single week because if people really want to reach me, they are welcome to call me too. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Everybody go buy at least a bottle of Brooks wine and at brookswine.com and check out Janie and and the story, the American wine story. It's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime. It's so good. I loved it. So you guys should definitely check it out. It's an amazing, not only an amazing product and an amazing CEO, but also an amazing, just great, great story on, on just a legacy brand that is super, super wonderful. So thank you so much. I loved it. Thanks for having me, Kara. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. unstoppable.